Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Daily Bolt with your host, Dr. Jeff Tilley. Today's topic, who is Vladimir Zvorkin, and why should I care about him? Sit back and relax, and enjoy today's Daily Bolt. So, something that I'm also going to be trying to introduce a little bit into the Daily Bolt as we go on is actually a little bit of science history. Um, done a couple of these before, but not very many. Uh, I plan on doing them just a little bit more frequently than we've done before. In particular, uh, talking about scientists and engineers in particular who you may not have heard of, but you probably should have. Vladimir Zvorkian is one of those. Uh, the name probably has no familiarity to you, uh, but you use something that he was instrumental in developing every day, most everybody who is watching or listening to this. Maybe not 100% of my listeners, but most people use a television. And you're saying, what? How did he possibly get involved with the television? And actually, what his involvement in uh, the uh, production and invention of televisions relates to is his career as an electrical engineer and some of the components that he helped to develop. But let's talk a little bit about uh, Zvorkin, uh, just uh, sort of uh, chronologically. Uh, he was born in Russia in 1889 in this little town about a couple hundred miles east of Moscow. And he tinkered around as a child with various uh, pieces of equipment. And so he had this natural kind of engineering ability even as a child. And he eventually applied that uh, at uh, the Imperial Institute of Technology in St. Petersburg. Uh, where he began to work uh, with the director of the laboratories there, a guy by the name of Boris Rossing, uh, starting in about 1908. So he was about 19 at the time. Um, one of the things that intrigued him was this concept of sending images by wires. And it's a concept that had actually been around since the uh, middle part of the 19th century. Uh, there were uh, mechanical television systems, uh, including one that was patented by a German scientist in 1884. Those worked by projecting light onto a light sensitive area through a series of holes in a spinning disc. Karl Braun invented the cathode ray oscilloscope, uh, which is something where you might still find uh, a working cathode ray oscilloscope today. They're not nearly as common as they were 50 years ago. Uh, in those cathode ray oscilloscopes, magnetic fields direct the rays onto fluorescent material at the end of a tube, and that uh, basically create, helps to create the image. Uh, Zorkin graduated from the Institute of Technology in St. Petersburg with an honors degree in electrical engineering in 1912, and he had uh, by that point already assisted uh, Rosing uh, in developing a hybrid type of system that used the mechanical disc along with the cathode ray tube. So putting those two former technologies together, that's how all good innovations tend to begin. Um, 
Unfortunately, the Russian Revolution began at about that time and carried through World War II. And at the end of World War II, as the Russian Civil War was uh, beginning to occur between the Bolsheviks and the other factions in Russia, uh, he did make his way to Paris and then immigrated to the U.S. in 1919, where he worked at Westinghouse in the big Westinghouse laboratory facility near Pittsburgh in Pennsylvania, uh, something that I drove by many times as a child uh, on trips to Pittsburgh. Uh, so I know exactly where that is. Uh, in 1923, he kept working on this hybrid system to try and make it a bit more uh, easier to, to use and work with, not take as much uh, uh, fiddling around each time you wanted to use it, and he finally got a patent in 1923. And uh, even though the people at Westinghouse, in uh, a famous moment of uh, letting the moment pass them by, thought that what he was doing was kind of a waste of time and the television would never amount to anything, uh, he continued working on it, basically at home, and he produced a device that's called a, a kinescope, which is a more sophisticated cathode ray picture tube, and the iconoscope, the first all-electronic camera tube. I'm going to change the image so you just get a little bit of uh, the idea of <clears throat> what he looks like in terms of this picture. Uh, it's a sketch. It's not a photograph, but it's a sketch. You get an idea of what he looked like, at least. And this is basically how he looked like as he was working on this uh, kinescope and uh, his iconoscope. He demonstrated the first all-electronic system, no mechanical parts, uh, no need for uh, spinning disks and projecting light through them. Uh, at a convention in 1929, right before uh, the Great Depression. And there was an RCA executive who was present at that convention who was just blown away by Svorkian's invention, and he predicted that every place in the country would have a television within a matter of uh, a decade or so. That particular prediction was perhaps a little bit optimistic, but now probably there are very few households in the U.S. who do not have a television. And uh, it took a lot of investment to get this from Zwarkin's exhibition to a marketable product. It took uh, over $50 million, and it took 10 years, and $50 million in 1929 was a hell of a lot of money, to say the least. Uh, and suddenly, as RCA began its development, some of the other companies started to catch on. Uh, RCA was the one to really take the initial plunge and throw the investment in, but there would be other systems that would be developed that would be competitive uh, that they would all exhibit at the next World's Fair in 1939, which happened to be in New York City. And uh, the uh, National Broadcasting Company, NBC actually was also in attendance and uh, was watching the demonstrations of RCA's television that they expected to be broadcasting their, their signals to. Uh, Second World War did a lot to halt the production 
of television systems. Uh, all the resources were being devoted up to the war effort and what was needed for the war effort. Uh, by 1946, there were about 7,000 TV sets in the U.S. Uh, by 1950, there were 10 million. I don't even know what the number is now. But if you are having a television set in your home and watching it, maybe not while you're listening to The Daily Bolt, maybe you're watching The Daily Bolt on a screen that you double as a television set, but you have Vladimir Zvorkin to thank for that particular invention, at least uh, a good part of the basic conceptual system that was the early television. That's why you should care about who Vladimir Zorkin is. That's all for this edition of the Daily Bolt. I'm Dr. Jeff Tilley. I hope you enjoyed it. Have a good night, good morning, good afternoon, and we'll see you on the next episode.